It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. As Las Vegas opens back up to the world, one of the fastest-growing segments here, professional sports, will face challenges both in T-Mobile Arena, home to the Vegas Golden Knights, and Allegiant Stadium, the new home to the Raiders. To discuss this and more about the business of Las Vegas sports is my guest journalist, Alan Snell, whose popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, reports on Las Vegas's expanding sports industry. And he's author of a new book called Bicycle Man, Life of Journey. Correct title, Alan? That is correct. Excellent. Nice, nice to be talking with you again. I Same know. here. I just want to make sure I had that book title correct, because this is his second book. His first book is Long Road Back to Las Vegas, How Las Vegas and the Golden Knights Healed a Journalist Wounds. So you can get this new book from Alan at lvsportsbiz.com, and we'll talk a little bit about more of that. But let's start off by what I talked about in the beginning of the introduction, which is this is going to be a challenge when Las Vegas opens up, both to the Vegas Golden Knights and to the Raiders because of social distancing. And how do you fill these big <laughs> buildings or a stadium in an arena and still practice social distancing, or can they do it? Well, you got a couple issues at hand here, Ira. Number one, the Vegas Golden Knights will be returning to action but they're returning to one of two hub cities that are yet to be determined by NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. So the Golden Knights are returning. They're going to be going into the playoffs. The current season, the regular season anyway, is officially ended. And the Vegas Golden Knights will be going to one of 10 different cities that are vying to become two hubs to host the playoffs in these kind of bubble-like hub host cities. Interestingly enough, Las Vegas is one of the 10 host cities vying to host the playoffs. So we don't know where the Vegas Golden Knights are going. Uh, the Gary, Gary Bettman is supposed to make an announcement within probably two or three weeks here in the month of June. But eventually, when the new season begins in the fall, and when I say the fall, it could be much later in the fall, everything is probably going to be pushed forward. Uh, There's going to have to be some real new techniques at place in terms of allowing fans to return. And what's interesting is that just last Saturday, I was one of three journalists allowed to go into the UFC Apex building to watch the UFC Fight Night event, which was the first live sports event in Las Vegas since the pandemic. And I'm going to give you a little sense of what I went through. So I think it will give clues to how fans will be treated. Number one, you get your temperature checked. There'll be someone probably at the gate or the front door aiming a gun at your forehead and it'll read your temperature. And number two, you might be asked or show some kind of certificate or some kind of pass that you are COVID-19 free. In my case, UFC actually tested me for the virus in order to get permission 
to cover the event last Saturday, I tested negative. So there might be even some kind of certificate that you might have to show that you're free of the virus. Number three, you know, food and drink is a very big deal, but the days of getting food from concessions, open food is gone. And in my case, as a reporter, and I think you'll probably see this with fans, everything is going to be basically wrapped and go. I mean, I had a salad in a plastic container. It was self-contained. The utensils are in a little plastic package. So there's not going to be open food anymore. And also for the club levels and the suite levels and the suites, you know, having that open food, that buffet style, I think is for the immediate future anyway, a thing of the past. So there's going to be a lot of changes. And, you know, the NHL and the NBA, which are the NBA folks are starting in Orlando. They're going to have their season probably start at the end of July. You know, these are pretty bright, bright folks. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of testing. People are going to have to be evaluated uh, before they go in. And in in terms of Allegiant Stadium, the workers are working feverishly to get that $1.97 billion project done. But when it opens, you're not going to see a packed house. In fact, I believe August 22nd was going to be the Garth Brooks concert. You're not going to have 65,000 people in that building. And in fact, I'm just theorizing and speculating that you probably don't have any fans in there, even though it's still about two months down the road. It's, it's just too, I think it's just too early. You can't go from groups of 10 or groups of 50 to 65,000 people. So you're going to see uh, testing Um, You're going to see uh, temperature being taken. You're going to have self-contained food. And I would think you're going to have a lot of distance between people. When people start to get permission to go in the buildings, you'll probably have three, four seats in between people. And you're going to have some very, very serious distancing going on. What about masks, though, Alan? And masks. Too. I mean, I think that's pretty much standard at this place. I mean, so how would you be able to, let's say you bought your food, you would be the perfect example because you, you had that, that salad. But what happens when you buy your food? If you're sitting in your seat, are you, you take your mask off and eat the food and then put the mask you back on? You probably will be given permission to remove your mask to like put some food in your mouth from your uh, plastic container and then put the uh, mask back on. I mean, it's, it's pretty serious stuff. I mean, right. when I went into the UFC venue, I went in and I was told you cannot leave the building and come back in. If you leave the building, you are not allowed to come back in. And after I was tested by UFC, I was quarantined in a hotel room for six hours. And then I was shuttled directly from the hotel, which was the testing site, after I was quarantined for six hours, directly into the building. So this is, there's, there's not going to be any fooling around. I know people in terms have different opinions about wearing masks and, and, and doing the social distancing when you go to the store and everyone is, you know, debating mask or no mask. I got news for you. If you're going to be, if you want to go back into a sports, live sports event in a venue, there's not going to be fooling around. There's going to be lots of security. 
and there's going to be a lot of monitoring going on. And when I spoke with uh, Dana White, president of UFC, in a one-on-one interview about two or three weeks ago, he said that the president of the United States actually told him that they're working on getting some kind of test where you kind of lick a tab and you can instantly find out whether you're COVID-free or not. So who knows? Dana White's direct quote to me was, the technology of the testing will have to be advanced way beyond the, than what we have right now before fans will be allowed to go in venues. So if you're a Golden Knights fan or if you want to go to a Raiders game, you, you think you're going to a Raiders game against the New Orleans Saints, that first game of the season, or I should say the first regular uh, home seat, uh, game, you're not going – I doubt you're going to be – you might not even be allowed in the building. And if you are, there's going to be severe, severe testing, mask, social distancing going on. There is always a percentage, Alan, of sports fans that have a certain mentality. And I wonder how that will work where you have that percentage of fans that will, for want of a better term, rebel against these restrictions that are in place for a reason. In other words, that they will choose to disobey the rules that are set up for the arena or for the stadium and either not wear a mask or do other things, sit next to somebody else that they're not supposed to. In other words, that they rebel against that. What you're saying, as, as I understand it, there will be enough security by both of those facilities that those people will be asked to leave or just warn once and then you're out of there? Yeah, there's no fooling around here, Ira. I mean, if you want to rebel, you're going to be tossed out, and that, that'll be that. I mean, there's no, there's no debating going on. You're talking about the pandemic situation. I'm sure there's also a concern about a rebound of, COVID-19 tests, you know, coming back positive as well. So, I mean, it's a fluid situation. Who knows what the numbers are a couple months down the road when the Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders' new home is open, when the T-Mobile Arena is back open for a regular season after the playoffs. You know, you're talking two, three, four months down the road. So things, as we've seen, things are quite fluid in terms of sports. Absolutely. Uh, I, under a pandemic, so it's hard to predict what will be going on. But, but to your point, quote-unquote, if you're a rebellious type and you want to do your thing, I wouldn't uh, bother showing up because security is going to be very, very firm with the protocol. And that is the term that you're going to hear later in 2020. It's, it's all about the protocol. And if you don't want to follow it, you want to rebel, You'll be shown the door, and that will be that. Do you think this will also apply? Because I had Don Logan on a few weeks ago on the show. We were talking in general terms about baseball. Do you think that's going to also apply to the Las Vegas ballpark and the AAA baseball team, the Aviators? Well, probably. I mean, we've gotten a kind of a little peek at the future in baseball through the Korean League. You've probably seen some of the uh, Korean baseball games on TV, on ESPN, and I would imagine there'll be social distancing going on at the ballpark and also the food. You know, a lot of people are very casual fans. They go for the atmosphere. They go to socialize. They go to food to eat and drink at games. I mean, you do have your hardcore fans, but the majority, I think about 50 to 60% of the fans, especially when they go to a ball game, they're there to have fun and socialize. So you probably don't know the starting nine 
for the aviators, <laughs> right, right? Or who these Oakland Athletic AAA players are? They might know a couple names, but they're there to drink and to eat and have a good time and socialize. And you know, that's the essence of social distancing and the food consumption. That's going to be like a really major problem for the teams, and that is um, making sure that the concessions will be safe. And like I said, it's going to be grab and go. You know, you're going to have self-contained items. You're going to have whatever, like one person pieces in a box or something, or something, you know, hermetically sealed or something in a plastic bowl. And there was a tremendous graphic video put together by the Wall Street Journal showing how these arenas and indoor stadiums and even ballparks are basically gigantic petri dishes to spread the virus, especially something that is so contagious like these droplets, especially what, you know, when fans are screaming and yelling and giving high fives. There's, you're basically a human aerosol can, and you know, your droplets are flying in every, every direction. So it was a pretty graphic presentation by the Wall Street Journal link. I really suggest people just Google Wall Street Journal and, and stadiums and COVID-19 because that, that eight-minute video was very instructive about the kind of challenges all these arena and stadium operators will face in trying to reintegrate sports into America. It's going to be a very, very challenge, Ira. Well, when we come back, and I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about your book as well, but I want to also talk a little bit about the business impact of all of this as well. So let's take a break. My guest journalist, Alan Snell, has a popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, and he reports on the business side of Las Vegas's expanding sports industry. He's also author of the new book, Bicycle Man, Life of Journey, and that's available on his website right now at lvsportsbiz.com. Com, and you can follow Alan on Twitter at LV Sports Biz. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more talk about Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. There's something new at the Neon Museum. The emerging technology of light mapping brings old signs back to life. Forgotten artifacts of our past that once blazed in the Las Vegas night are reanimated in a dazzling immersion of sight and sound. You've never seen anything like it because there's never been anything like it. Brilliant, a Neon Museum experience. Performances nightly. Join the experience now at neonmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with journalist Alan Snell, whose popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, reports the business side of Las Vegas's expanding sports industry. He's also author of the new book, Bicycle Man, Life of Journey, and it's available on his website, lvsportsbiz, that's with a Z, lvsportsbiz.com, and you can follow Alan on Twitter at lvsportsbiz. And before we talk about the book, Alan, just one other point about this whole adaptation that arenas and stadiums are going to have to do, especially here in Las Vegas. And that is the business side of it. If you're not having as many people in the facility because you're spreading them out, number one, and you're limiting your food and and beverage as well to some extent, the bottom line is going to 
become severely affected. So are they looking at ways to cut costs, uh, cutting the team roster, et cetera? How do you see that from a business standpoint? Well, it all depends on the business model that your team is involved in. The Raiders, for example, take one thirty-second of a huge TV contract. So the Raiders are in good shape. The Raiders also have amazing corporate sponsorships related to the opening of their stadium. They're going to shoot from the last place in the NFL to probably top three, top five, definitely top eight in terms of corporate sponsorship revenue. So their business model is sound. They're going to be in good shape with or without fans. Obviously, they'd love to have the ticket revenue that already actually has been pocketed in terms of personal seat licenses. They were pushing about $550 million in personal seat licenses. The Raiders are in great shape. The Vegas Golden Knights obviously lost um, a going. They already have the income. People are paying their season tickets. The folks who are getting crushed because of the pandemic are the teams that are in leagues that don't have big TV media contracts. For example, you mentioned you spoke with Don Logan at the Aviators. You know, all their money comes from ticket sales and those concession sales. And they cleared more than a million dollars in uh, merchandise sales during the first year of their rebrand of the 51 to the Aviators last year when they moved into the new ballpark. So last year they did great. This year, from what I understand, the fans will be credited with the money from these lost games. But uh, another team that's going to get crushed is the Lights, the Las Vegas Lights. AAA team, they play in what's called the United Soccer League, USL, and all their money comes from day of ticket sales. I mean, that's that's a huge, I mean, they, they have attendance of about 7,000, and, you know, they're selling tickets probably 10 to 20 bucks a shot. They give a lot, away a lot of freebies, too, but they also sell a lot of food and drink. They're going to be crushed this year because there is no big media con there's no media rights contract ira for usl so that's a big deal same thing with the las vegas aces we haven't heard much about the wnba but depending on your media deal that's been negotiated by the team and or the league you will rise or fall based on the revenues from those broadcast right deals And in some cases, I would imagine it will sustain you until next year when things will hopefully settle down. Well, we'll have to see about the lights. And, you know, obviously the aviators are in pretty good shape because they have this beautiful new baseball park. Eventually, people will be allowed to go back in. But like I said, it's going to be you're not going to go from groups of 10 or 50 to packed venues. (laughs) It's going to be slowly phased in over months. So, uh, in a general it's, sense, it's though, a, it's a brand new world now. It is. In a general sense, from talking to the people you talk with, are you somewhat optimistic for next year, or are you just cautiously optimistic, or are you pessimistic about well, I think where things for the, will be? For the rest of the calendar year, uh, I got news for you. I don't expect to see packed Raiders games at that new football stadium that they're going to have built by July 31st. That's the, uh, that's the weird element of that football stadium is that they're racing to have the place ready by July 31st, only to have no fans in the building. And I expect really 
again, this is pretty much the best that I could project given things, how things are so fluid. I would project that there won't be fans for the rest of this calendar year and that we'll start to see fans phase back into the buildings in 2021. But like I said, it's going to be done with a whole new set of evaluation tools. Your temperature will be taken. You'll be asked about your health. You might be even tested, perhaps, if there's instant tests. And there's going to be initially physical separation at these venues. One last question, and I want to talk about your book, and that is when you look at sports and you cover the business of sports, do you find that you have less to write about, more to write about, or just different things to write about during this whole pandemic? Yeah, I'd say it would be the last one there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I covered all the games from the business angle, and I was pretty busy. I go to every Vegas Golden Knights game. They're kind of kings of the hill here in Las Vegas, and you have to uh, track them. They're also a very busy organization on the business front. During this pandemic, they cut a deal with the city of Henderson. You can talk another half hour about the uh, Golden Knights having a new American Hockey League team that will play initially at the Orleans Arena while the city of Henderson rebuilds its Henderson Pavilion into a 6,000-seat arena to house the American Hockey League team. And you probably saw last week there was the announcement of the new Silver Knights. The Henderson Silver Knights right, will be right. a member of the AHL. So they're always, you know, the Golden Knights are always busy on the business front. The Raiders obviously are cutting all kinds of sponsorship deals and they're opening their stadium. So they're also very busy. But you're correct. I mean, it's very different. And for about, I'd say, a solid month, I was doing a lot of stories about the issues that we've talked today about. And that is, how will these venues, how will these teams, how will these leagues reintegrate fans back into the buildings? And how will the sports connect, you know, make that emotional connection again with the fans to get them juiced up again? So those are very difficult issues. But, you know, the guys who run these leagues are bright guys. So I'm, I'm confident that you'll see an interesting 24-team National Hockey League playoff format that will probably start sometime in August at two different host cities. Las Vegas is in the running, like I mentioned. And the NBA is back up and running with a 22-team format uh, late July in Orlando. And Major League Baseball, who knows? <laughs> Major League Baseball <laughs> labor relations right. are notorious for being very acrimonious, very volatile. And you know what? Baseball is kind of a weird... It used, it used to be... The, one of the three dominant sports in this country with boxing and horse racing. You know, baseball has become more of a regionalized kind of sport now. And, you know, who knows what kind of baseball reignition we'll see. You know, who knows what the restart or, in fact, it's not even a restart, Ira. They haven't even started. <laughs> I mean, they're just looking to start their season. So, and we don't even know if they'll start their season. So, you know, there's two camps. There are people who feel like baseball should have something out there to give you know fans and people something to kind of focus on during these very tough times. And then there's the purists who kind of look at what you know what you have on the table and say, you know what, let's just cut the cord right now for 2020. It's going to be a very diluted version. And who knows? Some of the players might not even want to play 
you know, because they'll probably be tied to host cities. And, you know, they might have to be quarantined in these host cities, you know, when they're not playing the baseball game. So baseball is in a very, very tough pickle. Well, that's a great summation of that whole issue. Let's talk a little bit about your book. It's called Bicycle Man, Life of Journey. And it differs from your original or previous book, I should say, which is, was called Long Road Back to Las Vegas, How Las Vegas and the Golden Knights Healed the Journalist's Wounds. So this book, Bicycle Man, Life of Journey, is about what, Alan? This is a pure bicycle lover's book. I'd say um, half of my life is involved with uh, covering the business of sports in Las Vegas. And the other half of my life is bicycling. And not really so much bicycling per se. It's bicycling, but really travel riding. I do a lot of adventure reporting from the seat of a bicycle. And this book is a compilation of 37 years of bicycle travel stories, uh, really since 1983. And I have a funny hashtag for it. Since you're a Golden Knights fan, you'll appreciate my hashtag, which is pandemic born. <laughs> that is the hashtag for Bicycle Man. It's pandemic form because I started it March 23rd. That is actually documented in my introduction. And I finally got my butt into gear with this pandemic going on to put together all the bicycle stories I've written over 37 years. And I cracked the safe. I really cracked the code by figuring out how to organize all these stories. It's broken into an introduction, eight sections that have very specific themes to them. So you have a whole litany of stories in each chapter. And then an epilogue, which pretty much is a wrap-up uh, based on a May 1st episode I had where I was on the Red Rock Scenic Drive. We were allowed to bicycle in reverse. Bicyclists and walkers were actually allowed on the Scenic Drive during this pandemic. And... During, one, uh, during a Friday, I actually got an alert on Facebook about my friend from second grade, a guy by the name of Bruce Katz, who was playing a concert from his home on Long Island, New York. And I wrapped up the book by saying it took a pandemic for me to reconnect with Bruce from second grade because I'm bicycling in reverse on the Red Rock Scenic Drive, and he's doing a concert from Long Island, and our lives intersected while I was bicycling on the Red Rock Scenic Drive. That was May 1st, and that's kind of the bow to the book. I'm really happy and proud about the book. It's about 275 pages, a lot of terrific photos. And even if you're not really into bicycling, I think you'd love the book because there's a lot of travel writing, a lot of adventure writing, and there's a lot of places I've visited across the country, including two cross-country bicycle trips I did by myself back in the 80s. And I have some stories from those trips. And I just think it's a really fun, beautiful read. The uh, introduction and the epilogue are symmetrical. The first and eight uh, last chapters have kind of a sense of symmetry to them as well. So just contact me through lvsportsbiz.com or email me and I'll definitely get a book in your hands. And it also is an interesting perspective because most travel blogs and articles and books are from the perspective of people who are either maybe hiking or traveling by car or by plane or by train 
or walking, but I don't know that many that are done by bicycle, so that may be a first as well. Yeah, I think people will really enjoy this book. I even have a special section on just called mountains. It's kind of the mountains I've explored via bicycle. And what's interesting is that I also have some local stories about the Red Rock Scenic Drive and also the River Mountains Trail Loop right here in Henderson and Boulder City and Lake Mead. And I kind of talk about the evolution of that particular trail project and how that came to be. So I think there's something in there for everyone. It's a, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a compilation of stories from a 37-year period. There's going to be some interesting uh, material for people to read. It's very conversational. And like I said, it really is about exploring life with the bicycle happening to be your vehicle. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been journalist Alan Snell. And by the way, you can see Alan if you ever go to the Vegas Golden Knights games and get your temperature taken. Once you do that, and get your test, and you go up the escalator, you'll find Alan right on the side there interviewing people all the time and talking about what's going on. So Alan Snell has popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, which reports on the business side of Las Vegas's expanding sports industry. He's author of Bicycle Man, Life of Journey, which you can pick up through his website, which is, of course, LV Sports Biz with a Z, lvsportsbiz.com, and you can follow Alan on Twitter at LV sports biz and alan thanks for being on the show again it's always great to talk with you i really enjoy it thanks see you next time you've been listening to talk about las vegas with ira each week ira david sternberg talks with the celebrities entertainers writers and personalities who make las vegas the most exciting city in the world Oh,